Welcome to Season 4, Episode 28. This is the last of Season 4 of the Chris Abraham Show. I will uh, actually, let's see how many episodes I can get done before the first of the year, and I will start Season 5 at the first of the year. I'm sorry I've been so reticent and so uh, unlikely to post new episodes. I haven't posted a new episode in months and for that, I regret. I think it has a lot to do with the change in weather. It has a lot to do with wondering whether or not it even matters if I have a podcast. Everybody's got a podcast, but I don't feel compelled. I'm rewarded enough in general by my daily life that I have become less ambitious to create a voice that results in attention or popularity, if that makes any sense. I really need to reread and re-listen to Immortality. That always puts me into a more modest place. But, um, a lot of weird things are going on. I will talk about them after the break. This is Season 4, Episode 28. My name's Chris Abraham. This is The Chris Abraham Show, formerly Chris Cast, and I apologize for the bunged-up nose, as they say in England, the stuffy nose. I know that when all y'all hear this, you wonder uh, if I'm sick, and the truth is is that 66.6666% uh, of the time I have a, quote, bunged-up nose. I have stuffy sinuses, I have an infinite number of allergies, and I don't think my allergy medicine puts a dent in it anymore. I am behind today. I will be getting onto my bike and doing a, uh, an hour or so of riding, and then I'll get to work, and I'll work until this evening at my treadmill desk. So that's what's going on to me. Today in Washington, they have what is called a two-hour delay. And that is because there's supposedly icy rain and icy roads. So that's when hundreds and thousands of people, no matter how much warning they get, uh, believe they can drive and run into things and kill each other. So let's hope not a lot of that happens. Um, I think I'm doing the podcast today because uh, I recently lost a friend. Uh, I lost the a, a friend named Effie Capsalis, and she is uh, both a feminist icon in the digital space, and I would say in general. She is the goddess of Wikipedia and access for women and women of color. And uh, she passed away on Sunday. Um, and uh, I'm being very... Because I have aphantasia and because I have this thing called SDAM, I tend not to be able to reminisce. I have a hard time being nostalgic. I have a hard time holding on to um, holding on to the permanence of a lifetime relationship. Like when I think of Effie, I think of uh, the 2000s. I think of um, 2000 five, two thousand six, two thousand seven, through to maybe even as late as twenty twelve, twenty fourteen, etc. But it's been years since we've been intimate friends, you know? And uh I I have been 
looking at what she's been up to since uh I would say we haven't really been that close since uh since Trump and uh that might have been my fault that might have been probably nobody's fault but I I do think that Trump uh bifurcated people I come from a place where nobody's bad and nobody's good people just do good or horrible things so I've never been a resist I've never I never think that the barn is burning I never unless I see actual totalitarian things and actual authoritarian things and actual um uh pogroms and actual like legit real uh gulags then I just think that it is Edelman or another public relations company or State Department or politicos trying to stoke up people's um, bifurcation, the um, the polarization between peoples, the the othering of the Christian Amer- of of white Christian Americans and the othering of um, conservatives, right? The the othering of a of a of a domestic c- citizen that, in fact outnumbers uh the resistance movement by seven uh seven to three so i can't feel it i can't feel i've never been able to care about competitive things i've never been able to care about us versus them i've never even during the soviet union i've never hated the soviet union i don't hate russia now i don't like ukraine I don't dislike Ukraine. I don't like Russia. I don't dislike Russia. I think that Putin is exactly the right ruler for post-Soviet Russia. Seems obvious to me. But then again, I thought Saddam Hussein was perfectly the right ruler for um, Iraq. And I thought that... um, Gaddafi was the perfect ruler for for Libya. So, um, and I thought Obama was the perfect ruler for America. So, uh, and half the time, like nine-tenths of the time, I think America is the imperialist baddie. So, there's that. Like, I believe that in the global um, bad guy, good guy thing, I think that America is not the good guy. Um, if you think of the kind of person who, if you think about social services or, uh, you know, when you have, let's say you have a family and uh, your son uh, breaks his arm or gets a bloody eye from fighting with his brother and goes to school and then they call social services and they come to your house and then they go ahead and try to parent for you that is what the that's what we americans do to anybody and everybody we go from door to door like a karen and we try to convince people uh that they should be a certain way you know it's happening right now in iran and it happened in iraq and definitely it's still happening in in Afghanistan and so forth. And so these are the theories that I have, uh, which is very much uh, laissez-faire, that I believe blows the hats off of all of my friends that were madly in love with me in the 2000s and uh, the 2010s and so forth. I just saw, I saw the weaponization of liberalism. I saw the weaponization of um of morality i saw the weaponization of science and this is years before covid i saw the the um i saw the fact that the fact that i identify with being an episcopalian christian i found that that was resulting in people's rolling their eyes and they're like culturally right you don't believe in god i just saw a lot of ugliness in people that up until 2015, 2016, 17, 18, I had extreme amounts of admiration for, and then I just started perceiving them as petty, petty, um, a, appalling, vitriolic, 
um, people who lacked uh, the the compassion and the patience and the um, the love and the even even the paternal instinct for people who might not be as sophisticated as them and instead of considering them to be maybe less sophisticated and living a def- a different life they perceived those people as being dangerous extremists you know once you start perceiving ignorance as dangerous extremism or you start perceiving um people who are just trying to conserve what they have. I'm not saying roll back to Jim Crow. I'm saying just in a very basic way, um, just keep their house, keep their job, keep their truck, keep their kids, uh, keep their family together, keep their community, and live a life that they're proud of. And if you have someone who's committed their entire heart to being proud of something and then all of a sudden um, everybody around you tells you that those uh, things that you hold dear your morality your faith your uh, character everything that you so deeply believe in is not only wrong but it's extremist and it um, it it is white supremacy and you are a white supremacist, and you are a Christian nationalist, and you are probably a not Nazi Hitler, then, you know, I mean, you'd be ornery. I, I could say that the parody would be if someone uh, called you a commie or uh, a Soviet or or whatever, but that no longer is considered an insult like the some of the academics that I very much admire are quoting Lenin now and Stalin as part of their discourse and I've downloaded all those books so I'm in the middle of reading them so that I can get first-hand knowledge but because I've never read any any deeper than um, Marx and a little bit of Chairman Mao uh, and Engels I've read some Engels I haven't read any uh, Lenin, I haven't read any Stalin, I haven't read much of Chairman Mao. Um, I've only read his little red book and it just seems to be sound bites and kind of childish ones. But uh, I feel like if if I can come up with a, uh, a comparison, it would be McCarthyism. Um, hey Google, when was McCarthyism? The term originally referred to the controversial practices and policies of U.S. Senator Joseph McCarthy and has its origins in the period in the United States known as the Second Red Scare, lasting from the late 1940s through the 1950s. So, yeah, so uh, if I were to compare, this is, in my understanding of the world, this is sort of karmic payback for the... Uh, McCarthy hearings for the blackballing of what were perceived of as um, creatives who were communist sympathizers and Soviet sympathizers. And um, that was always, 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 always a dog whistle term for Jewish people. Uh, I would I would dare say that a high proportion... Hey, Google, what proportion of people who were blackballed during the Red Scare McCarthyism were Jewish? I don't know, but I found these results on search. Um, yeah, it says uh, Jewish radicalism in the Red Scare introductory essay. It's basically saying that... Um, that uh, here under uh, uh, the jc.com, it says hunting communists, they were really after Jews. So um, I dare say, 
like in my opinion, uh, the um, McCarthyism was a witch hunt against uh, Jewish immigrants and Jewish Americans. Um, there was a perception that uh, that the radicalization of workers and so forth was somehow a uh, Zionist or Jewish conspiracy, and I can easily see how uh, the entire world of the McCarthyist trials, McCarthy trials, were in, in most cases um, anti-Semitic, and so I get. I get the karmic feedback of uh, doing the McCarthy trials insofar as our, the first, you know, the first salvo is, of course, January 6th. Um, that is the first real salvo of a, attempting to create, if you will, a, a, uh, a McCarthyism towards uh, right-wing extremism, which is in quotes, because... I know a lot of these people, and they're, uh, th there's more reactionism than there is um, a radicalism. Hey, Google, what is the difference between radicalism and reactionism? I don't know, but I found these results on search. Hey, Google, what is the difference between radical and reactionary? According to Wikipedia, in popular usage, reactionary refers to a strong traditionalist conservative political perspective of a person opposed to social, political, and economic change. Reactionary ideologies can be radical in the sense of political extremism in service to re-establishing past conditions. So when I studied political science at GW, um, we were always very careful to define radicalism and reaction and, and, and what a radical was and versus what a reactionary was. And I feel like they need to revive the word uh, reactionary uh, because radical is, uh... hey Google, what is a radical? Here's the definition of radical, especially of change or action, relating to or affecting the fundamental nature of something, far-reaching or thorough. Hey Google, what is radicalism? Here's the definition of radicalism, the beliefs or actions of people who advocate thorough or complete political or social reform. Hey Google, what is reaction... Uh... What is reactionary versus uh, uh, extremist? I don't know, but I found these results on search. So I guess the, the word that everybody does use is right-wing extremist. Um, I don't think in the current parlance people ever use radical. They do use radicalize. Um, but I think that the term is better to think of the current response by 75% uh, of Americans who uh, self-identify with being white or Caucasian, even if that includes Latin American, white or Caucasian people, that's a huge number. And I, I recently saw, uh, um, 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 uh, what's his name, Sean, Sean Waters? Hey, Google, who's the guy on Fox with the name W-A-T-T-E-R-S? According to Wikipedia, Jesse Bailey Waters, born July 9, 1978, is an American conservative political commentator on Fox News. Jesse Waters. So, I was watching a excerpt on uh, TikTok about people being polled as to whether, like, what percentage of the population they believe is something. And I believe that, uh, that there was a belief that black people are 43% of the population when, in fact, they're 17 or 18 of the percent of the population. And uh, there was a belief that uh, gay people are 33% or 43% of the population and it's closer to uh, 10 or 12 
they asked what proportion of Americans live in New York, and that was 33%. And there was just all kinds of really, oh, what percentage of Americans are um, Latin American? Like, it was just incredible that, um, and, and I thought that maybe this is just stupid people, but I have a friend who's a, um, a top-tier journalist in New York City, and he reached out to me, and we had a chat, and he lives in Manhattan, so to him, um, the minority population of America is obviously 60 or 70 percent, like his perception of New York City and my perception of Washington, D.C., is that uh, the proportions of people, uh, of people of color, uh, minority people, Eidos, African-Americans, black immigrants, immigrants from around the world, Asian-Americans, Asian immigrants, and so forth, is more along the lines of South Africa. Hey, Google, what's the percentage of white people in 1980s South Africa? I found a table on the website Nelson Mandela Foundation that probably has your answer. So, 14.8% whites, 74.1% blacks, 8.6% coloreds, and 2.6% Asians. I believe that the liberal progressive left, Gen Z, and to some case the millennials, I believe that they believe that America has the same proportions of uh, ethnicities and races as does South Africa, and that a true, uh, a true revolution against oppressive white landowner, racist, separatist, white nationals, jingoists, so forth. I believe that they believe that it is just actual a lack of representation and not the fact that there's just not that many relatively speaking, African-American people uh, in America in comparison to um, maybe media representation over the last seven or eight years. Um, My buddy is a Silicon Valley guy, and every single company in America is demanding that they have an African-American it's like the most extreme tokenism that you've ever seen. Like there's a mandatory requirement that there is a, a woman of color, um, a, a, someone from the LGBT community, um, uh, a, a, an African-American man or woman, um, maybe a, uh, a person of color in general, uh, probably not including South Asian uh, because there's a, you know, I guess there's a belief in, in Silicon Valley that there's just plenty of, of uh, Pakistanis, um, Indians, and Bangladeshis in the tech space, that that is not necessary. But my buddy tells me that it's like the biggest controversy. Everybody is like trying to poach the same hundred african-american people to their board and there's actually been um is it laws passed that you that african-american people and people in color and so forth can only that they must limit their inclusion on boards to five boards like i don't know if this is true but um there is a dearth of and 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 i want there to be uh equity in rep in in I, I I'm totally for equity, man. Like I grew up in Hawaii, and like I I live in South Arlington because um, it's not. It's, there were so many white people in freaking Portland. Believe it or not, like Portland is like mostly white. Hey Google, what percentage of people in Portland, Oregon, are white? I don't know. But I found these results on search. White alone percent seventy three point eight. Right? Seventy like seventy three point nine 
5.8% of Portland, which is the place that is the epicenter of Black Lives Matter and so forth, is not is not a black majority city. It's crazy. And so, I don't know. I mean, I think that every, every African-American couple or every birthing person should have as many beautiful black babies as possible, I guess, because uh, I don't think there are remotely as many African-American people in America uh, as as America culturally wants and demands. I believe that if America looked like itself in the mirror, it would look like Barack Obama, right? It would be half black, half white, or it would look like, um, I don't know, like uh, quarter Latino, uh, quarter uh, white, quarter black, and um, quarter uh, Asian, right? That would be the perfect um, ratio, I guess, uh, in America. It doesn't matter that there are loads and loads of different ethnicities of white people. Um, White people have become a block. And I guess that doesn't matter that there are an, an infinite number of black ethnicities too, right? It's just become African. Uh, which I assume now includes uh, Morocco, Algiers, Egypt, um, uh, sorry, Algeria, uh, Tunisia, etc. So it's uh, it's very interesting. So guess what I was going to talk about today? I was going to talk about hydration, but it looks like I had a lot to get off my chest. I do not... I feel like extreme liberal progressive Democrats have the country locked up for the next 50 years. I do not see, based on uh, the rapier wit, Rapier, the rapier wit of the left and the um, identity politics of the left and the bombacity and willing willingness to... Uh, create narratives out of whole cloth in order to win an argument and the willingness to double down and triple down and downright lie about things in order to um, in order to enact their concept of the world which is um, uh, social justice based and um, is science scientism uh, scienceism and uh, progressive and socialist and internationalist and uh, egalitarian, um, more like equity, like everything in the development of, in the same way that America needs to stand down so that China and the other developing nations can take advantage of all of our. Um, all of our entitlements and our and our, our uh, um, all the advantages that America's had uh, since the turn of last century, since you know uh, nineteen hundred, um, I believe that in the way that we need to stand down and stop using fossil fuels, and in many cases. Um, hobble ourselves so as to give the stage to the developing nations. I believe that we're doing that domestically. There's this perception that the powers that be um, want to initiate a cultural hobbling of the dominant cultures of America in order to give an opportunity to minority cultures to have free passage and free access and subsidized access and even what is it called um uh renumification or or what is it called when um hey google what is it called when you give money to the african american community for having uh been uh enslaved 
According to Wikipedia, reparations for slavery is the application of the concept of reparations to victims of slavery and all their descendants. So reparations are really moving forward in California at the moment. And I believe that, um, I believe that in the same way that we're, uh, and it shows a, an extreme hubris and pride, right? A huge power dynamic that we, we, whatever, we, it's not me, dude, I'm poor. But like we as white people in America hereby hobble ourselves so as to give you an opportunity to catch up to us and we'll call it equity because equality didn't do it and equality still hasn't changed this and now it's equity and we will cede all of our positions into universities into schools and any and all opportunities we have and this is all in quotes i think i think it's awesome but uh, it's also extremely condescending and terribly uh, uh, paternalistic and maternalistic and, and extremely down the nose at. Like, I never knew. I used to think that the concept of noblesse oblige, the noble obligation of people with education and multi-generational wealth and so forth, have an obligation to help people... Um, who are uh, who who do not have the same benefits as the elite, as the um, multi generational wealth, the educated, the elite, the academics, uh, the professionals, the upper middle class, the upper class, the noble obligation that one has towards charity and towards um, kneeling down so as to as to lift up. I was told that that's extremely racist. That is the most racist of all racist things. It's racist McRacy face. And um, that's exactly what's happening. The entire leftist agenda is all about noblesse oblige. It's this noble obligation to make yourself smaller in order to um, um, raise up and it's almost to the point where it's like raise up the noble noble savage. I think that if 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 extreme social justice warriors would really look in the mirror, they would realize that they are doing exactly what my mom did, who was born in nineteen twenty nine, nineteen thirty nine. Hey Google. How many, what year was it uh, uh, 85 years ago? On the website exactlywhatistime.com, they say 85 years ago from today was Monday, December 13th, 1937, a Monday. My mom was born in 1937, so she'd be 85 today. And I remember that in her day, she was Irish Catholic. In her day, she uh raised money she she and and her uh roman catholic irish catholic posse in new jersey were all about um giving money to hey google who is the catholic saint from hawaii who helped the lepers damien of molokai on the website britannica.com they say Damien of Molokai, also called Father Damien, original name Joseph de Webster, born January 3, 1840, Tremolo, Belgium, died April 15, 1889, Molokai, Hawaii, U.S., canonized October 11, 2009. Feast day May 10, Belgian priest who devoted his life to missionary work among the Hawaiian lepers and became a saint of the... People also ask me, what is Saint Damien of Molokai known for? Want to hear the answer? Yes. On the website nps.gov, they say, Father Damien is famous throughout the world for his dedication and devotion to caring for the spiritual and physical needs of victims of leprosy in Hawaii-I that were separated from their families from 1866 to 1969 on the remote Kalaupapa Peninsula on the island of Maloka-I. Fascinating. Yeah, Father Damien... Uh, 
lived in a little isthmus, a little a little peninsula, a little peninsula off of Molokai, um, very isolated, impossible to get to. It was a leper colony. And my mom used to collect money to send to him in Molokai, which is funny because I grew up in Hawaii and I went to St. Louis School. And St. Louis School is directly associated with Father Damien. He uh, was a Catholic priest and uh, he uh, attended um, St. Louis College or Chaminade College or something associated with our school back in the 1800s. And... uh, but the entire thing about uh, mercy and charity and so forth was, you know, essentially converting pagan babies. The entire thing around the world, which we call imperialism now, we call colonialism now, was saving pagan babies. It was all about saving pagan babies from uh, going to hell. Uh, they need to they need to hear the word of Jesus um, and so forth. And so. This kind of paternalism, this kind of noblesse oblige, this ty- this type of charity to help the uh, people of the people of uh, of completely quote unquote undeveloped, uncultured, um, 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 illiterate uh, oral tradition societies to lift them up and bring them into the twentieth or the 19th or the 18th century was a was exactly what uh, the state department is trying to do uh to the taliban and to the women of of iran and to uh ukraine and ultimately russia is to um, you know de-christianize and de-white suprematize them like this is exactly the same modus operandi uh, in different clothing this is exactly the noble obligation imperialist playbook, the colonial playbook, the playbook that while um, uh, which is condescending and paternalistic and they're there children uh, as it's always been. I mean, if you think about it, and it's terrible to think about, in this country, it is appalling that white people worship Jesus and go to church. It's appalling, it's backwards, it's right supremacy, it's Christian nationalism, it's, um, but, but, it's so charming about the black churches, don't you love, the music's so good, all those black churches are so, they're so lovely, don't you think that they're so charming, those black churches and those black pastors, and it's just like, how condescending that you find Christianity in the form of 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 white uh, nationalist, jingoistic, uh, awful, awful, uh, dominant culture um, boogaloo's. You find the fact that they like Jesus as being a uh, a, 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 a shortcut to killing all trans and, and LGBTQ plus plus. Um, and atheist people, but the fact that there's so many of so many completely similar, like almost exactly the same ethos in black churches. Um, when it comes to moral and ethical and same-sex marriage and morality and what does doesn't send you to hell and who and who isn't included, I mean, it is. It's the same gospel, it's the same church, and even if you want to think that um, that the uh, black church is more influenced by Western Africa and Esu Elegbara, and if it is just a front for uh, civil rights and so forth, I mean, there might be a little bit of that, but it's also people who are devoting their entire life to following the Christ, of following Jesus Christ, and um, with the goal of getting into heaven. It's not always a cover for um, for extreme leftist, radical, um, identity politics, civil rights protests. Um, I mean, I love, I love, uh, hey Google, 
Who was the pastor of uh, Barack Obama? According to Wikipedia, the Jeremiah Wright controversy gained national attention in the United States in March 2008 after ABC News investigated the sermons of Jeremiah Wright who was, at that time, the pastor of then U.S. presidential candidate Barack Obama. Reverend Jeremiah Wright, man, that guy is awesome. Like, he is fearless, you know? Um, he, you know, he preaches goddamn America. I mean, how baller is that? Like, that is, considering that I just said that I think that we're the baddies, I think that someone who says, instead of God bless America, God damn America, is the epitome of someone who feels comfortable enough in his country and in his heart and his soul to have the freedom to know that uh, he is... Uh, he lives in, he lives, he is not, oh, what's the saying? Um, God, it's such a good saying. I, I, um, uh, I am not Caesar. I am, I, hey, Google, what is the quote in the Bible? About, hey, Google, hey, Google, what is the quote in the Bible about being of Caesar? On the website excessofdemocracy.com, they say the more famous phrase used today comes from the King James Version. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. To find out more, look for the link in your Google Home or Google Assistant app. According to wikipedia.org, Render unto Caesar is the beginning of a phrase attributed to Jesus in the Synoptic Gospels, which reads in full, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Apododown ta caesaros caesari kai ta tu theo toi theoi. So, um, Reverend Wright is right. He is saying, you know, um, America is Caesar, and... He is, everybody calls America Caesar. Amer everybody calls America Rome. Everybody calls um, uh, the imperialism, they call this an empire. Uh, I guess they tried to call Trump Caesar or believing he was Caesar. Um, but in many cases, the fact that Reverend Wright feels like he has either the prestige or the power or the freedom, thank God for the Constitution in terms of freedom of speech, to say, not God bless America, God damn America, I have a lot of respect for that. So while there are certainly churches of all sorts that are, that are disguises for places to radicalize against the consensus reality of your particular nation state, I dare say that, uh, you know, only 1% really is radicalized in that way. Um, I definitely think that AM talk radio is way more radicalized than, uh, than, than all the churches in America. I, I also dare say that the reason why American powers that be are not threatened by, the, by black churches as much as they're threatened by white churches is because, like I said before, there are so many more white people than there are black people in America. And it's just an undeniable fact. And it'll be a long time before uh, the numbers change uh, effectively enough. You know, 40, 50 years, a lot can change. A lot of terrible things can happen. Um, pestilence, climate collapse, um, of course, nuclear war. Uh, there could be civil war. I mean, everybody's talking about how America is soon going to have its own Spanish civil war where the, uh, where the radical cities uh, fight the uh, reactionary uh, suburbs and rural areas. That's totally how it's going to be, man. It's going to be, it's going to be uh, uh, conservatives outside the ring road uh, outside 395 and 495 around the country. And then uh, it's going to be basically, uh, you know, Portland versus everywhere else. Uh, D.C. versus, D.C. and Maryland versus everywhere else. 
Uh, it'll be, believe it or not, it'll be Atlanta versus, you know, uh, Georgia and uh, Austin versus Texas. And uh, you'd be surprised how many conservatives there are in California. They're just, they just don't, they just don't have any control. And I think over the next 30 or 40 years, America is going to, as we always foresee, America is going to become more and more and more and more and more like California. We always evolve into California. I would say that guns, uh, semi-automatic, high-capacity, removable box mag, uh, semi-automatic guns and pistols are going to be a thing of the past within five years. Which is why I'm glad I was a gun guy in 2011. And uh, I've just become bored with guns. I still own several of the ones I bought a decade ago. But it's expensive and it's stupid. And I don't live in the burbs. I don't live in the... I don't live near a, uh, a range. So that was fun. But I think that uh, we're going to go the way of the Dodo. We're going to go the way of Canada and... And there's so much internationalist pressure uh, to um, to uh, to to actually just de- to destroy the U.S. Constitution, like ultimately because of things like the Electoral College and uh, the dis- you know the liberal dis- discreditation or discrediting of the Electoral College and the dissatisfaction with the Supreme Court and um, as a Nazi apparatus and the dissatisfaction with free speech, uh, they would much prefer the kind of fake speech um, where they'll gladly wash your mouth out with soap that happens in uh, Germany and Holland and Great Britain, etc., where you literally go to jail if you say something against a protected class. Uh, then there's the Second Amendment. Like, there's just so many. Uh, the autonomy of states is going to be deprecated. Uh, it's just going. It's going to become. It's going to become more and more, as the left bumps against uh, the Constitution and bumps against states' rights and realizes that there's so many safeguards against. Uh, uh, federal or um, a federal overtaking of the uh, loose association that states really have with each other. Once there's too many times not being able to uh, put America to heel, where you know where where um, popular vote decides on presidents as opposed to states, all that other freaking draconian crap that uh, the left doesn't realize is authoritarianism. I mean, literally authoritarianism. Uh, then the uh, the constitution is going to be dismantled, and will probably become a parliamentary government, uh, representative representative democracy like Europe, and uh, and then globalism will have been done, uh, which is fine with me. I mean, I'm a a smoky poet deep down. I am just heterodox, and I see all the line going on, and I see the 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 I see the apparatus um, playing around with um, with uh, bread and circus, and I see that there's a lot of us and them, and I see that there is uh, radicalization against your own people and both ways. I see um, very dodgy elections. I feel like it's obvious now that there is a narrative and a and a a plan, and that the that there is an extreme amount of frustration with uh, the variabilities, with the probabilities being too low, that um, that outcomes that can and this is like moral stuff right this is whatever by whatever means necessary because enough people have been convinced that there are no rules anymore because we have an existential crisis 
and we need to lie, cheat, and steal in order to protect our blue marble, in order to protect uh, the... Um, it's always about the fucking kids, right? Protect your kids and grandkids and so forth. So everybody's so built into this climate collapse um, um, uh, or the fact that America's going to become some sort of of freaking Fourth Reich or Third Reich or some sort of white supremacist um, uh, place where they're going to completely put people in camps and, and, and ethnically cleanse people out of America, which has never happened. In fact, the uh, the terrible, terrible, terrible things that... Oh, well, no, no, no. Uh, Freaking private, private um, prisons are the de facto slavery in America, right? I mean, when I found out that private prisons can create goods and create uh, products and, and, and can people need to work in there in order to uh, be able to get paid nothing and that they're being used as slave gangs? I mean, come on. Uh, it is appalling. It is appalling. We do have slavery in America, and it is uh, the working class. It is the um, it is it is everywhere. It's just by a different name, but uh, but people are willing to do anything. People, you know, whether or not there was uh, a steal or an election steal or any fraud or anything like that, um, people are so desperate for a post-fossil fuel, a post-imperial, a post-colonial, a post-white supremacy, uh, a post-patriarchal, a post-capitalism world that there, there's no moral or ethical limit. And I, I forgot the term in Islam... It's, is it a jihad? I don't think it's a jihad, but it's like the fact that you can uh, put all of your principles into, into um, um, you can put your, you can put all your principles into temporary hibernation while you're going through the jihad required to save the world. And I believe that there's no moral or ethical restraints when it comes to uh, millennials and Gen Z towards their desire to make the world in their image. And I believe that they're being taken advantage of extremely by the, uh, by the exact thing that they're trying to overwhelm uh, and destroy, which is, you know, uh, capitalism and uh, imperialism and colonialism. So... Uh, it's an irony. I've been talking so long. I hope you're not bored by this. I really needed to get this stuff over my head, off of my head. Um, oh, I'm going to miss Effie so much. Effie Cupsalis, I'm going to miss her so much, and I haven't seen her really in so many years. But I loved her. I love her daughter. I love her husband. I love her friends and I'm going to miss her and I'm going to miss her mission and ministry in the world and I'm going to miss seeing her dominate uh, open source and common uh, access public access to um, to the uh the textuality of the world like she is going to be missed uh, she is a an icon i i would say she's a feminist icon but i would say she's an icon for the digital world to open access she's a international icon and um and she's loved and she's beloved and she and i and i love her and i miss her and I wish I had spent more time trying to bridge and explain. I just didn't think it would result in anything but my being perceived as the crazy uncle 
you know, at Thanksgiving, who just, whose heterodoxy is just completely, like, I do not need uh, quote-unquote Trump derangement syndrome in my space. Like, I'm too anxious. I have too much AFib. I have too much anxiety disorder to want to bring out, um, like, uh, apoplexia from anybody that I I had loved and I do love. I I do not want to have the I do not want someone to yell at me the way they would yell at someone who they perceived as as a monster. And uh so I've kept my head down for years and years and years and years and years hoping that at no point do people that I desperately love ever uh point their um apoplexia and the resistance at me because I'm just the devil's advocate. And I believe that a lot of people are caught up in, uh, in, in, in hysteria. And I don't mean to use hysteria in terms of history, uh, like, you know, um, of, uh, um, of, you know, um, as a sexist nomenclature as defined by Freud. I just mean, um, mass Mass, what is it called? Mass, mass hysteria. That's the only thing I can think of. And I do not need that angled at me. Like, that's why I keep my head down. I'm not afraid of sharing my feelings and what I believe is being people manipulated and controlled. But I'm not a true believer. I have zero ideological bent. I don't... I'm not sponsored by frickin' Russia or Putin. I don't have it get any money from any international organization. I never have. Um, and the fact that any of you think that is just really appalling to me. Um, but even my best buddy from college, my fraternity brother, asked me if I was... You can tell me, Chris, are you an agent, a foreign agent for Russia? My God. I cannot believe it. Anyway, uh... No, I'm not. And, uh... Sorry to, uh... Vomit words all over you guys. You don't have to listen to this. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hey there, this is Season 4, Episode 28 of The Chris Abraham Show. I beg your forgiveness for the last 55 minutes over the top. Hope none of you listen to it. Uh, you can reach me at chris at garriscorp.com, chris at abraham.com. You can find me at mastodon.social. Um, my login, it's chris a, C-H-R-I-S-A, at mastodon.social. Chris at Gervic.su and Chris at NoAgendaSocial.com. I'm Chris Abraham at uh, Twitter. I am Chris Abraham at Instagram. I think I'm Christopher Abraham at TikTok, although I don't do anything there except lose hours. Uh, I think I'm Chris-Abraham.com on Tumblr. You can find me at ChrisAbraham.com. And uh, you can text me at plus one two zero two three five two five zero five one. You can also use that for Signal or Telegram or WhatsApp. And I hope you give me stars, follow me anywhere. Um, recently, my entire Chris Abraham channel at YouTube got got raised. Every single a video that I have uploaded since 2005 was removed, and it's dead. It's dead. So I'm starting over on a new account on the Chris Abraham, the, sorry, the Garris Corp domain, and we'll see what happens. Uh, once bitten, twice shy. Fuck YouTube. And uh, that's it. Uh, you can contact me. Feel free. I'm happy to engage. Uh, and I'll talk to you soon. Please subscribe and like and thumbs up and and write a review and recommend to your friends and share. And I'll talk to you later. Love you. Bye-bye.